You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the geeks are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Alrighty here, happy Sunday night all Here we go again, because tonight we come to you off of the heels of WWE Survivor Series 2019 It is November 21st, 2019 This is episode 352 of Talk Brunch Live And I'm your host, always Rick Thara, aka Captain Brunch And this episode is going to serve as your WWE Survivor Series 2019 post-show So without further ado, introducing my co-pilot, Mr. Destin Frazier Somewhere out there, Sam Roberts still crying after Saturday. But that's okay. Things happen, you know. You gotta accept yeah. and take the good with the bad. <laughs> it's been one very busy, busy weekend. We've had NXT take over War Games 3. And then we have the crossover between the three brands, Survivor Series tonight. And with that being said, shout out to both chat rooms, starting with Stasis Dreams and AC, EB Gamer, Joe Wilco, Willie V2, Prince of Fire 40, Seth Rollins 287, Repo, Man 1212X, Mark 710, Risa, and anyone else who was in the chat throughout the pay-per-view that I might have missed. And also those currently listening to the live broadcast over at TalkBrunch.com, and of course the rest of you who listen live and on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, and all other popular podcatcher apps. We're available on every major digital audio provider, including SoundCloud. Just search Talk Brunch, and you can visit TalkBrunch.com for that, plus our social media links and replays of all of our extra content. Thoughts, Destin? How do you feel about this weekend's events? Hell of a weekend. <laughs> These are the kind of weekends that make it fun to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I gotta agree, man. Like, like I, I feel legit beat up after this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a bad part. <laughs> it's what I'm talking about when I say uh, never count WWE out when it comes to things going on. And I've liked what's been happening leading up to this Survivor Series. I know it was bumpy getting here, but uh, the stable warfare came together very well. Yeah. You know, so definitely no complaints there in my book. And, uh, you know, everything was pretty solid. Oh, yeah, from top to bottom, everything was great. So do you want to get into War Games first or Survivor uh, Series? Any, any particular Yeah, we can, uh, we can run through War Games first. I mean, yeah, this is a gotta show respect of, to the black and yellow. Yeah, of, of what was going on there. Because now there's continuity. Yeah. They're, within, they're canon now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fully so, canonized. Um, just a side note before we run to the matches, it was just funny watching Pat interrupt Sam. That brought me joy. The weekend could have stopped right there. I'd have been satisfied. You know but, what, um, though? That, that Pat guy, uh, what was it that he said? He said something really weird. Oh, I remember what it was now. He uh, he he called Rhea Ripley Rhea Shipley. Yeah. I was like, I was like there's no S anywhere in her name. How would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, we had that backstage thing where... Uh, they had her assaulted by someone, and you know, you yeah, Mia Yim got uh, jumped by somebody. It was basically removed from War Games. Yeah, and we we didn't cover because obviously it didn't happen since this past Monday. We didn't cover the weekly NXT and the Wednesday Night War segment, but in that segment, Mia Yim takes a nasty uh, bump. She she's walking with a ladder, and uh, she oh no, we talked about the ladder match. Oh, did we? We already did. Okay, 
Yeah, yeah, because we were talking about how she took that shot to the nose in the same match. Right, right, yeah. Okay, you're absolutely right. So you guys know what we're talking about. So I'm assuming that there was a concussion as a result of that. Maybe I'm just assuming, and and that's the reason she couldn't be in the match because I mean it was a bad yeah. bump. You know, she was instant. But then again, bloody. I guess considering everything that was going on, I could yeah. kind of see it just being part of the story. The storyline, yeah, it is. It is possible as well. It's just I don't know. Yeah. It, it would be. It's it's a little bit strange. So we're gonna have to see, uh, in regards to if that you know if we get any more information on that. Yeah, but I mean, action-wise, kicked off the War Games, the pre-show. First time ever TakeOver has a pre-show match. Angel guards are going to, um, going against Isaiah Swerve Scott. Finish to this, win Clipper for the win. I mean, wild back-and-forth match. What's on that move that uh, uh, Scott's finisher, that sidekick, went down the opponent? Oh, I feel like he's told me the name once before. I forgot the name. Yeah, Damn. what the hell was the name of that thing? Yeah, that's a really good spot, too. That amazing. guy is gonna yeah, I mean, be—he's gonna be huge, man. I, I thought that was it because Garza sold that like he was out, <laughs> and for him to kick out of it, it definitely does. It's good because it's not over pushing Scott. It is showing that he is human and still can be beaten. And I mean, Angel Garza is a fantastic talent as well. There's so this was definitely anybody's night. There's a lot of fifty-fifty booking with uh with Swerve Scott. Yeah, he he's kind of back and forth when it comes to who he wins against, who he loses against. I like it because when he does win, it's a big win. But when he loses, it's understandable that he lost whoever beat him. Yeah. Definitely the good way you want to book somebody. Make it convincing, but don't like overdo it. Yeah, exactly. But uh I don't know. I just thought that I was surprised there. I, I thought that this was gonna be part of his push, which I guess he's not getting yet. <laughs> Maybe not like a full blown push, kinda like Easing, easing them into it, which I mean, don't necessarily mind. Guys, entertaining whether he's winning or, winning or losing, the crowd loves him. So, and you knew him before this, right? Like you knew him before they even picked. Yeah, him up um, in Lucha Underground, he was Kill Shot, and he was. Uh, I know he's a former, a former trios tag team champion. He had a, a fantastic Hell of War match against uh, Ar Scott. So I, this is a guy just like Pentagon. I watched him in the the minuscule days of Lucha Underground. So yeah. WWE hit the hit the nail on the head getting this kid for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm glad that uh, so far everything that I've seen from him has been pretty impressive. Oh yeah, dude's amazing. Very lengthy, but very like agile for his size for sure. Because he's not necessarily small. He's a pretty big dude for like his size, at least when it comes to like height and everything. But dude, yeah, dude's absolutely amazing. That's that's a future champion, no matter what title he challenges for for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, he's not being wasted so far. Nope. Uh, they're doing good. They're keeping him interested with him. But like I said, without overdoing it, they're not making him look like he's unstoppable. They're just putting him in a situation where it's like if he just gets a good string of wins together, Undisputed Air has got another challenger waiting in the wings. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but that was pretty much uh, it for the pre-show match-wise. Which normally, Kicked by the way, the you game. don't get a you don't get a match during the pre-show. Yeah, I don't think a, I don't think a takeover's ever had a pre-show match. Yeah, they usually always save it that. for uh, that following NXT, which is always a dark match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, hey, good for them, showing they're actually not just saying they're the big show for just because it's Survivor Series. They're treating them like it's so good on them. Yeah, yeah but then uh, the party officially started. Because the ladies kicked it off. First time ever women's war game. Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae. Um, let's see, we had Rhea, Candice LeRae, Bianca, um, no, it was looking Bianca Belair. It was Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. 
Mm-hmm. They went up against uh, the team of Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray, the UK Women's Champion. And God help us, the finish of this match is after kicking the ever-loving shit out of each other with everything they could have found on over the ring. Um, Rhea handcuffs uh, Shayna's Shayna to her with a handcuff that Shayna put on her earlier in the match and hits her with a riptide through two chairs. And then Team Ripley wound up going over in a situation that actually kind of worked against them because a lot went down when it came on during this match. Well, we talked about that last week, the Dakota guy heel turn because of the way they uh, they were treating her. I didn't know it was going to be something like that. But, yeah, she comes out. She immediately turns heel the moment that she's out the gate. I love how she <laughs> I love how she took this moment to step off kind of like she was afraid of the, of the, um, that cage. And it was literally just to get the distance she needed to just wipe out Tegan Knox. Yeah, she hit her with that running kick. She slammed her knee in that door about six, seven or eight times. Even one time taking a brace off her knee and then slamming it in the door. So that was basically they were already two down. And he got Rhea Ripley. Match. He got Rhea Ripley saying, "I trusted you," and I'm thinking, "No, you didn't trust it. You guys actually, uh, you completely <laughs> buried her backstage and told her that she wasn't good enough to make the cut, and then you only pulled her in at the last minute as an emergency. You settled for her. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's the justified heel turn. It's a matter of perspective here. Is she really a heel? Yeah. She kind of like she she was maybe just a little pissed off. Like, all right, you want to? I think she even said almost something along the lines of like, "You want to talk shit now?" Like, I think she swung it. Every I kind of like pissed off Dakota Kai. Like, it, it's different. It's fun. But yeah, this 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 war games match was nuts. I mean, it was kind of fun to see uh, EO and Candice kick off the match with everything they've been through. This, the stuff that happened in this match was crazy. I mean, EO no shot going for that moonsault from the top of the cage was amazing. Just the, the the way these girls used all those weapons. It's like they've been in war games before. Poor Kaylee Ray. Somebody yeah. need to tell that baby stop bumping so damn hard. <laughs> Everyone in this was bumping really hard. It's like, it was, it was like <laughs> no, suicide. It was, it was that Tower of Doom that killed me. I, I caught it out of the corner of my eye. Did Kaylee fold up on the chair? It someone hit the chairs really hard on the way I down there. I think it was there Kaylee, because, because Kaylee came up, grasped her head, and like flailing like she legit jacked her shit up. How do you prevent from hitting the chairs when you're when you're coming down towards them with gravity going straight? <laughs> you know, it's just like it's impossible. It, it's just, I because I, I, I have to see it back again, but it looked like Kaylee landed more like head and neck high than anything else. Like every tower we're doing, we always see that one person that lands really bad out of that whole group. As bad as it was just on a stack of chairs, I feel like Kaylee almost got the worst of that. And then what was yeah. it towards the end of the match? <laughs> Kaylee's in ring two. Shayna and Ripley are in ring one. Kaylee tried to hop from turnbuckle to turnbuckle to do something, and then fucking Rhea swats her out of the air with a trash can like a fly. That looked like it sucked so bad. <laughs> yeah. There was yeah. not a single fuck given in this match. It was ridiculous. Yeah, pretty violent stuff. Oh, I was just looking to see if there was many Pulse interviews. Uh, no, not really. They just, the only one, the only one I was aware of was uh Ripley, I guess, announcing her Survivor Series team. But of course, yeah. we're obviously going to get to that when we talk about that. Yeah, yeah, and that that was shown during Survivor Series. But uh, yeah, no, I was just looking at their page to see if there was any other interviews after. Like I thought maybe we would see the Dakota Kai promo afterwards of the heel turn or something. But, yeah, they're probably uh, going to wait till NXT for that one. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing here yet. 
Just figured I'd let you guys know. But I mean, one of the things, like I even mentioned before, not only did they win War Games, Shayna pinned, I mean, um, Rhea pinned the women's champion. Mm-hmm. Like, of all the people she pinned, she specifically picked Shayna. So you set, you're right there, you set up a title match at some point, maybe the next takeover, maybe even an NXT. They proved her to be formidable in doing that. That's like a good oh, yeah. position to be in. She she was right at home in war games, which was no shock. Cause, I mean, as physical as the girl is without weapons, it's like God help her when she gets them in. Yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, awesome job by all eight ladies. Like they they did war games proud. Dusty would have been proud of that for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Really good stuff. Oh yeah, but up next, three way dance: the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne, the Archer of Infamy Damian Priest, and the Big Man Killian Dane. Three way dance for the number one contendership. Winner faces Adam Cole at War at um Survivor Series, and to finish of this match, none of you. I'm gonna go into it. <laughs> you really know I got that. Not one of you thought that Killian Dane was going. I don't even have the freaking uh. Voting results in front of me. All we we know had them posted. Zero percent for zero. I just know that zero percent of you believed in Killian Dane. <laughs> like, I mean, the sad part is like Dane is great and all, but it's like, what has he done since he's been back in NXT? Of all the people who came home, he's done the least. I could hardly remember him beating anybody except maybe Riddle, but that's it. Yeah, right. And I don't even know if he beat Riddle. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I guess mind. they just wanted it to have they wanted to have it uh, have that number of participants. So they said, "Hey, let's just throw another guy in there, mm-hmm. throw another big man in there." But yeah, this was a I like the finish of this because um, Dunn got onto Dane's back and had him in a sleeper, and Dane made the mistake of going for one of his usual little trick spots in the sense of using his opponent like a weapon and hit a back senton on Priest, but Priest. Was but um Dunn was still on priest um on laying on priest after Dane rolled out of the ring. Dunn scoops up the pin and gets the win. Yeah, yeah. So. very 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 creative to go for that because like he just you happen to see him look over and realize he's still under Damien. So it's like screw it, Dane's out of the ring, roll up the pin and then he's got it. Yeah, and they position him to get his Survivor Series spot. Which... Yeah, his first ever NXT Championship match. Hmm. At a big stage like that, so that's definitely prestigious. Yeah, but this was a physical match. Like they, it, it that match just turned into okay, we're gonna keep swinging at each other until somebody stops moving, and then we're gonna hope the other guy isn't moving. <laughs> I mean, and then I think we even mentioned it before. Like, remember the days when the Razor's Edge was banned? Yeah. Nah, now, they let them get creative with this thing. Now everyone <laughs> like, has one. Now it seems like everyone has a freaking Razor's Edge or an Outsider's Edge or a Crucifix. Whatever the yeah, hell they I mean, want to call it nowadays. Priest uh, tossed Dunn onto one announce table with one and then hit one on Dane, of all things, which I wondered if he was going to be able to pull that off because of how much bigger he is. He's a but, really, Priest is a really big dude himself, though. Yeah, but I think it's just the way that, like, Dane's weight is shaped around him. He's more built, he's built more dense, I guess you could almost say. Yeah. So I was almost a little bit worried about uh, Priest's arms in the sense. Because it's like, yeah, Priest, they're, they're almost... Weight-wise, they're around the same size. Not too close, but two pretty big dudes. And this was actually kind of cool for Dunn because we've talked in the past. Dunn struggled against big guys just one-on-one. So the fact that he beat two at once is a pretty big deal for him. Yeah. Well, not at once. It was a triple threat, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's always got to struggle when it's just one-on-one, so the fact that he had to deal with two at the same time definitely made a very impressive show is that even in this point in his career, Dunn's still getting better, as good as he'd been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they did a good job with him, and he was able to show that he's able to display that even on a big stage, which we get to later on. And it's kind of crazy. It shows with Dunn. It's scary to realize that he has the bitter end. He has that 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 submission where now he's lucky he has different variations for it, whether it be an armbar or a triangle. And now he has this point where he can literally outsmart you into a win. Pete Dunn's becoming one of the scariest opponents in this entire company because he's finding new ways to win all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him because, I mean, honestly, and I don't want to go too far into the Survivor Series, but if he was able to put on a match at Survivor Series that rivaled people that have been in the top brands for years, then he has no business being anywhere else, you know? And only in his mid-20s. <laughs> that kid hasn't hit his prime yet that's a scary thought right there the british dude start young man that's what it really is yeah i mean it's what would they say 685 days as uk champion god help nft if he ever gets that title because he's already ripped through that roster before he'll do it again and it blew past too it didn't feel like it dragged along or anything yeah it was a violent 600 plus days that's for sure yeah but i mean amazing job Great job by uh, Damian Priest and his first takeover. I didn't think about that until maybe midway through the match. He's never been at one before, so amazing performance. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Anyway, NXT's future is looking bright. Yeah, but next, speaking of NXT's future, we take a trip back into NXT's past because the Prince returns the first time ever in four years, Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. And the finish of this match, of all things, no coup de grace, but a bloody Sunday for the win. I am very surprised. I really didn't think that I had no faith in them pushing Balor anywhere at this point, just because it seems like no matter what, they just don't push this dude. So I had zero faith in him getting a push. I thought he was just going to be there to help elevate guys like uh, freaking Matt Riddle. So I was surprised to see that match went the way that, in my opinion, it should go. I know people love Matt Riddle and the whole bro thing and everything, but this guy, Finn Balor, Fergal Devitt, is like a force to be reckoned with. And if you go by just his experience and the veteran that he is and his reputation, he shouldn't be jobbing out to Matt Riddle. So I, I expected it though. So I was surprised when we didn't get it. It was like, holy crap, they, they treated it realistically, you know? So for me, because it was an NXT, I knew Finn was winning this because yes, he's been, he's been booked like shit, but he's been booked like shit on Raw and SmackDown. In NXT, this dude was a god. He still holds that championship run record. So I almost look at it like I look at NXT Finn Balor as a completely different Finn Balor. This is the Finn who was basically unbeatable for a time. I mean, they even mentioned he has the best takeover record of any NXT superstar at the time was eight and one. So well, I when yeah. this match for me, it would have been a surprise for Riddle to win just because it would have shown like, hey, they are that high on Riddle to where they'll let Finn Balor come home just to get beat by him. But, I mean, this was a physical match. Like, But you it, know what I, it is, though? It's hard to cut you off. But And if, if you remember the early episodes when Finn Balor first came to NXT, I was in the minority. I was the few people who felt that his title run was underwhelming, even as the NXT Finn Balor, you know? Yeah. So it's not that he's bad or anything, but I always said it, it just kind of, 
to be honest, his his Raw and SmackDown runs remind me of his NXT runs. Like, sure, he had good matches, but everybody has good matches in NXT. We were going to talk about this uh, tomorrow, but recently some uh, footage leaked of the training in NXT, and they really choreographed the match just like we spoke, spoke about and theorized about move for move. So everything in NXT is going to look fantastic, no yeah. matter what it is. But when you really look at his title run, it was kind of bland, in my opinion. It wasn't that different from the Raw and SmackDown. It's, it's just like, I don't know what it is. But it's like his stuff's never really been really incredible as far as uh just the matches or the or the stuff that he left behind. Like even stuff like Zayn versus Cesaro was a higher tier of match than the stuff that we've seen Balor do when he was in NXT. So that being said, I just didn't think he was down there for his own push. So it's funny to see Matt Riddle, who they love, who the fans love, who everybody loves, the office apparently loves, and he actually uh doesn't go over. Yeah. I think they just looked at it as like Riddle could afford. Riddle could have afforded to lose this match. I think that's almost kind of if they, if I was looking from where they might be looking at it, where we look at is Balor, who's one of the OGs of NXT. Why bring him back? Get that kind of a pop and then have him lose. Whereas everybody's used to Riddle. Everybody's kind of adapted when it comes to Riddle. So lo- him losing isn't as much of a hit, I guess you could say, because Riddle's still early in his NXT career, I guess. But that being said, he's been pretty protected. Yeah, he he's he's he. This was uh, only his second loss at Takeover, and the only other time he lost was a championship match. Yeah, but I mean, great job by both of them for sure. It's because <laughs> I laughed so hard when he hit the non-shitty spear followed by the non-shitty jackhammer. I died. Yeah, you know Goldberg's jackhammer was never really that bad. That's the one thing that he did right. I mean, when yeah. he, in, his, in his prime, not the. Not I was Goldberg. about to say these last few kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it looked good on him. If, the, if that's what the guy wants to do, he's obsessed with Goldberg. I don't know why of all people that's who he's obsessed with. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I guess I mean, maybe it's just that one interaction kind of stuck with him, but who knows? But um, yeah, it was such a crazy match. It's kind of funny to see him not go over with the with the coup de gras. Rollins and I don't got us so used to that. And then the fact that he didn't just hit a 1916, but a bloody fucking Sunday. Like that was, and he, I thought he was going to spike him vertical. I really thought they were going to let him like spike riddle with that move. Like they did uh Gargano. So, so what's next for Finn Balor? So it's kind of tricky because we don't know how long Gargano is going to be gone. If Gargano is going to be back soon, I almost feel like you let Balor get a few TV matches kind of get a little bit, kind of get a little something rolling again. And then when Gargano comes back, I think that's the next big thing for him. It doesn't really make sense to go for anything else, at least not yet. Yeah, I guess. Because, I mean, Gargano's usually not gone long, for one thing, even when he has been hurt in the past. It's an interesting spot to be in, just the fact that, I mean, is he he the first? I mean, he's not really, because we've had the uh, the freaking fashion dudes get sent back down to NXT as well. Tyler Breeze was the first person to come back, but... uh, Balor is the first former NXT champion to come back. Yeah, I never thought it would be a revolving door. Right? It was just kind of weird. Once you saw guys go up there, you just thought, like, they're not coming back. It's kind of... I like it because it seems... And we'll get into it with War Games. It's cool seeing that old image again. Like, to hear Balor's music again after four years. Last time anybody heard it was a takeover the end. It's fun to see him back again. And it seems like they're doing a lot more with him. Because this was a more violent Finn Balor than we've seen in a long time. Like, it was hit to kill since he'd been back. You got to ask yourself, uh, if AEW didn't exist, will we have a Survivor Series? 
like this and would there be weeks and weeks of NXT people invading and beating the fuck out of all of the Raw and SmackDown people? I don't think so at all. Because now you gotta, if you've been watching this, if you're a fan of Survivors, if you're a fan of Raw SmackDown, you simply gotta tune in on Wednesdays to the guys who kick everybody's ass. Right? Right. Isn't that how it looks? (laughs) Like you gotta tune into these dudes. These dudes dominate. Exactly. They went up to the other shows and said, no, fuck your couch and fuck your couch. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting Ugh. spot to be in because that's essentially what I think we're seeing here. They're pushing NXT as a brand and using Raw and SmackDown to carry it. Yeah, which I mean, it works better for Wednesday in general because that means everybody's going to push harder because now they have to. Yes, yeah, so oh, yeah. Wednesday nights are going to start getting fun. Know? How far will it go, though? You know, what happens to the wild card rule going away? Now it's a real wild card rule. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, what's going to really determine is these next couple of weeks. Because at this point, they have to. Like, it's not optional anymore. (laughs) There's no, you can just wait till next year to do this. If they don't, if they just stop it, that fun ain't going to last very long. Yeah. But speaking of things that involve two rings that are fun... Finishing it off with the men. Well, the men's war game match, Undisputed Era versus, at the time, we knew Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dominic Dijakovic. The finish to this match. Good God, the finish to this match. At the very top of war games, which is a little bit taller than a regular steel cage, if my memory is correct. I think it's about maybe a couple of feet taller. An air raid crash by Ciampa through two tables and just limp pins Adam Cole and Team Chopper wins. But the cool aspect of this is who the mystery partner was. And of all people, probably I believe the record holder for the fastest time winning the NXT championships in his old NXT gear, Kevin Owens. Which uh I I don't know. At the time I was wondering if that meant he was gonna be part of NXT like Finn Balor, but I guess not, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird, like I, I was hoping too, because it was like he <laughs> that, that that arena came unglued when his music hit. Cause he was the one person I didn't think about all night. I don't know why I never thought about him as being the uh, being on the mystery person. I believe I heard Stasis call that he was gonna be one of the people to have something to do with NXT, so. <laughs> I'm taking Stasis to Vegas, I swear to God. It just looked it just seemed too obvious for them to do it and they obviously did it you know sometimes the most obvious answer i guess is the most obvious choice so. yeah i mean with him having that thing with undisputed era this past week i get yeah it, got, it makes a lot of sense yeah. but this war games was off the walls the poor crowd did not get tables in the first war games match so they made up for it in this one because it was what like five six seven tables got pulled out from under the ring that end spot was bad, man. That, that, <laughs> what was that? that whole sequence, right? I, f- I forget what he calls it, but more or less the white noise off of the, yeah, the, um, the air raid crash. Tomorrow calls it off of the top, off of like the top turnbuckle through the uh through the oh the top of the cage, the top of the cage through the table. as high as he could get. <laughs> Yo, I thought about that shit, and I was like, so does winning tomorrow? <laughs> Yo, it even for bumps that Adam Cole takes. This was nasty. And that, when it's funny because when it happened, I remember the thoughts going through my head being going back to that story recently of how the NXT people 
go move for move to rehearsal. And I was thinking, Jesus, did they rehearse that part too? Like, are you telling me that in the rehearsals, they eat the each time? You're like, all right, we're going to try that again. Action, you know, like, and it's like three <laughs> takes. Like, like, I just wonder, is that, was that also part of the thing that they do over and over again? Or is that I, one just I, where it's like, like, fuck it, we're not going to do that one until the time we got to do it. Because both are terrible. Having to do that I, bump I, over and over again to make sure it works, that's terrible. You're, you're a crash dummy for your own, your own bump. And then the other worst case scenario is no, we're just not going to take any chances. This is dangerous. And we're going to try for the first time on the first time on the paper. Like, which one's worse? Like, how do you, how do you prepare for that fucking move? Here's the thing. First of all, I'm pretty sure they don't rehearse that move for shit. That's but what I, I think, think about like the people who go flying off of the top of things. It would be almost stupid to test it once, but, right? it, would be, <laughs> but it would be almost stupid not to. It's it, it's a double edged sword. Like at that point, you just hope for the best. I feel like with Champa, they had to trust him well enough to not hurt Cole with that move. And I mean, not necessarily in the sense of I mean, the man's falling twenty feet through two fucking tables. He's getting hurt, but not enough to where he couldn't still go out the next night. There's certain moves I've seen them do, like same thing with the with the Gargano and Cole spot and uh take was it Takeover twenty five. Certain spots, I gotta feel like there's just a certain level of trust you have to have with somebody. First of all, you have to you have to trust Cole to live, <laughs> and two, you have to trust Champa to be able to get the angle just right. Like, yeah, when when they were up there, literally until the moment he jumped, I was waiting for Cole to counter because I was like, "There's no fucking way they're gonna let him do that. There's no fucking way. Holy shit, he's going down." And that wasn't even the only bad spot of the map. Poor fucking Owens. Yeah, Owens. It's funny how I they they teased us because I figured now that he's back to being like an indie guy, he would uh, you know, he would be doing uh the package pile driver. I thought about it before they teased it. I thought maybe he'll get his Ring of Honor finisher, the package pile driver. And they teased it a couple of times. Then it was like, no, we still don't have the balls to do that. But we'll let him get hit with the fucking Panama Sunrise right on right on the the solid ground, which is way worse. And Willie, just to jump in uh, for Willie, the problem is Full Gear passed a while ago. Well, some time ago. So it's, I can't even really compare the two, honestly. But, um, yeah, like, and he took it hard. He didn't half-ass that destroy. He didn't, like, kind of land more on Colt's thighs or anything. That motherfucker folded in between those two rings. <laughs> like, it, it, it's always been this thing since ROA, since the first time I saw him in Ladder War 4. Like, these bumps that Owens takes, at this point, I feel like the only thing he ever tells you, like, okay, so that's what we're going to do? All right, just don't kill me, and then we're good. Like, I, I feel like that's all, that's Owens' only line. As long as I don't die, I'm okay. <laughs> Not a great philosophy to have, though. Not for nothing. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. But, yeah, this uh, that ending sequence was great. Just the fact that, uh, what was it, Dijak, it was uh, Dijakovic chokeslam Roderick through a table, and then, um... And he was going to powerbomb O'Reilly through a table. O'Reilly got the triangle. So Dijak, so Dijak lied him on the table so Owens could hit a frog flash and put Kyle through a table. Bobby got spirit bombed through a table. I love how they just chipped away at every table in the end sequence of that match. Like, you know what? We still got four to more. Okay, boom, 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 and boom. Yeah, and each one was worse than the last. That was the best part. It made all those table fishing worth it. <laughs> this match was fucking insane. Everything they did to each other was so off the walls. 
And I always think I'm still going back to the preparation for this. It's kind of like, did you all, how much of this was tested because you all took it? Or was it just an agreement that we're going to rehearse everything up to this point? And then the last few spots, there's like a chance we're all, we all might die in our last spot. But hopefully that one goes. We all have one might die spot at the end that we're all going to take turns doing. We're going to go through this table. Then you guys over there in the top go through that table. Then we'll do this one. Then God willing, we'll survive. If we all survive that, we're good. You know you what? Know? Talk runs legal team. Coin that might die spot. <laughs> you might die, you know? Jesus, like, I feel like with some of these matches, especially with war games, there's no, at that point, I just feel like they say, okay, now this is when you're going to put me through the table from 30 feet to fucking air. They don't do the spot. They just let you know, hey, when this happens, do it. <laughs> and we're going to pray and we're going to hope for the best. Because yep. like that I would- just. I don't know how they do it, man. I mean, me personally, I'd probably be skipping breakfast that morning. It's like, no, I have no appetite. Why? I have a predetermined fall through the sky into a fucking table. It's (laughs) guaranteed. It's already scheduled for me. You know, you got a four o'clock and you have a doctor's appointment. I have a predetermined collision (laughs) with a table later on tonight on schedule at a certain time you know it's like how do you how do you ever prepare for that like some of their stuff is just crazy it's like i like that in um in the, in the panama sunrise spot you saw owens fight it for a little bit i've never seen somebody fight a destroyer like that like he got him up one he tried to backdrop him he tried to do it once and he tried to do it twice and i'm like okay they're gonna roll this into like ah oh, fucking sunset split something like that and yes martin you just said it perfectly you pretty much got hope for the best I, 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 you know what it is? Because we've seen cases where um they'll have like conversations in the middle of a move. I want to hear that conversation between Cole and Champa 20 feet in the air when Cole's upside down. Like, all right, you ready? You ready? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> Probably prayers. Right? <laughs> it's the quickest prayer ever said. 20 feet in the air. But I mean, for the love of God, just... And we... They, they revealed it at Survivor Series. Poor Morrow blew his voice out. I didn't think I'd ever see it happen. <laughs> I would... Every now and then, um, since he'd been in NXT, after take, after certain takeovers, I would tweet tomorrow and be like, are you ever going to blow your voice out eventually? And I was just, I never thought I'd see it happen. And it's funny, because Morrow would always laugh it off. It's just like, oh, one of these days. And I was like, yeah, to War Games 3 was one of these fucking days. <laughs> Oh my god. Everybody has an injury from that one, huh? Everybody hurt. Like, (laughs) like, oh my god. This match was, this match was ridiculous. I've just never seen anything like these two war games matches. I mean, the fact that Team Ripley won basically with an unfinished team. Poor Shayna got powerbombed through two chairs, and then Cole got dropped from the top of the fucking sky. Oh my god! Like you, it, it was like watching a care package drop in Call of Duty. Just poof, like, it was hard times. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, oh my god! Absolutely incredible performance. I mean, just like with the first one. I mean, that, that's a title shot for Champa. He pinned the champion. I feel like, in fact, realistically, if it wasn't for the fact that we're not sure, sure what's going to happen with Owens, that would be title shots all around. Because Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic would make a pretty good team. Two big men who move like they're about 200 pounds lighter than they really are. What's up, Chris91? Thanks for the sparks, buddy. Thank you, thank you. Oh, man, I can't wait till we start making money. This is going to be great. But, uh, yeah. 
restaurant needs a cold care package. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, this this match was absolutely ridiculous. War Games once again does not disappoint. That's why it's my favorite takeover the whole year. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they did a fantastic job, and I think I did like it a bit better in Full Gear just because they have so much star power there. Yeah, it was. For, there was no spot where it was just kind of like eh, I could have done without that. Yeah, which with the yeah, women's division, I'm talking to y'all. Get it together. <laughs> it's so bad because it's like I want to love everything about them, but that's the one turd to punch bowl in that whole company right now. Yeah, everything else, love it. That one just, mm. yeah. But I mean, crazy thing. I mean, the one thing I've always loved with war games, it's that 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 energy change when those sirens go off, that steam comes up, and that cage comes down. Because um, I had a friend who went to the first one when they brought it back. He said the scariest thing about that isn't even the match itself. It's those moments when it's just sitting there, just hanging. And it almost feels like, I think he described it once, it feels like a living being just watching and waiting. Spartan, so, G- Spartan Jesus says he wants how to try to stop to top the Champa coal spotter, if they will. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, at this point. You know point, what the bad part about it is? If you put coal back in that thing for a fourth time, he'll do it. <laughs> Every finishing spot in War Games has been worse than the last one. And Cole, at this point, the man's damn near indestructible. I mean, oh, I, I don't want them to try to top that, but I feel like they would. Big as that cage is, you could think of something like, what was it last year, Ricochet hit that double moonsault before there was a lash? Like, it doesn't have to be top so much, it's just maybe do something different that's equal. Yeah. It's, ugh. Yeah, it's just scary because like this is the third one, the third year, and every war games match is more violent than the last one. That's including the two, the, the two on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if you top it after a while, the only thing that's, that's higher is death. Really, somebody has to die. Because <laughs> then if they it do top has, it, it has to turn from a might die spot to a gonna die spot. Like, after a while, if you top it, you die. Yeah, it's just. There's only so the, the, the you don't break that glass ceiling. You just, you don't be like those guys that climb buildings and shit. And then you got the one video where the guy slips off, right? You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the slip. You you don't want to wind up on fucking one of chills countdown list. You don't, don't want to do that. Don't go viral for the wrong reasons. Exactly. <laughs> Who will be there don't. to cash your monetization check? If you're still a guy after the shit YouTube's got playing, but I mean, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but once again, NXT freaking kills it. I mean, my God. I just need them to kill somebody and then it'd be great. But yeah, you know, babies can't be choosers. All right, so then we get uh, Survivor Series, right? Yep, 33rd year. Yeah, with, uh, we get a two-hour kickoff because they hate our guts. Right. And, uh, but we do get matches peppered in across these two hours along with the discussion panelists. Uh you get the first match being, and, and this was a fantastic name. I believe it was Willie who complimented in the chat room. He was like, very cool name. It's the uh, over-the-top cross-brand tag team battle royal XB Aladocious. <laughs> you see, like, what is this? What, are you kidding me? <laughs> it sounds like they literally made that shit up. <laughs> like, just before they sent them out there. What is this? Well, quick, quick, everybody, get through the curtain. Take some time. What is this? This is the, uh, the over-the-top cross-brand tag team Battle Roar XP Aladocious. Oh, shit. Call it whatever oh, you want. Oh, God. A wop by a wop a wham-bam-boom. Like, 
the hell was even in this? I know. Uh, uh, I know we, we had, had the Forgotten had Sons, the- who they were legit forgotten during this because they were the first ones out. Yeah, it was uh, actually in the order of elimination. I have it right in front of me. Uh, NXT's Forgotten Sons, SmackDown's Lucha House Party, Raw's Hawkins and Ryder, NXT's Imperium, SmackDown's Heavy Machinery, Brizongo, NXT, Revival of SmackDown, OC of Raw, and then the Street Profits of Raw. And like I so said in the know. chat room, when it comes to the Lucha House Party being pushed, be, being eliminated after the Forgotten Sons. Wait, 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 let me do it, let me do it. Sarah! Push <laughs> <laughs> I popped when you said that you the chat room was fucking wonderful. I almost started to look up the Spanish word for push, but I did not feel like it because I was having too much fun. But that was great. Lucha house yeah, party. Fucking... It's more like the Lucha fucking baby shower. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, it's not. It's not for everyone, and most of the guys aren't invited. But yeah, the uh, winners of this team, the only non-actual team, this fucking island of misfit teams, Rude and Ziggler. And all that, all that, all those teams, and that long ass name, just so that Rude and Ziggler can go over. Jesus Christ! Like, and uh, you know what, man? Everything looked crappy too. Like there was a point where the house party guys they eliminate the revival. They did it with like dual drop kicks, but it just looked so shitty. Like the way they practically had to jump over the ropes. It was like the, the, the drop kicks barely touched them, and they were like, "Okay, time to jump over the ropes and jump out of the ring and eliminate ourselves." Good lord, now it's like, come on, you practically limited yourself to where Drew Carey limited himself that one year where Kane was after him. Oh my god, yes, or that year, what was it? What, what battle royale was it when Dana Brooke had to run and jump over the ropes? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, come on, it was bad. Don't give us those, like, those, those, these crazy weird matches at the last minute, especially with this fucking make believe team because you have nothing to do for Rude and you want to keep Ziggler around. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense. But, I mean, they got the first point for SmackDown because they actually counted the pre-show this year. And it happened, and we all endured it as a group. Yeah. But next up, something that didn't suck. The triple threat cruiserweight match, Akira Tozawa, Kalista, and Leo Rush. The first, actually, no, well, the first fun Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. And the finish of this, after hitting the Salida Del Sol, uh, Rush clocks in with the final hour. Gets the win and retains the championship and gets NXT. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, this no, was very good. This, stuff. This, I love the three styles here. What is a lot, it was so much fun to watch. Akira Tazara, first of all, running full speed all the time. His suicide dive still scares me. It will always scare me. But just the, the suddenness of a rush coming in and the fact that he was able to time that so perfectly. Just everything he's gotten since he's come back. He's deserved every bit of it. The guy's always been fantastic. I mean, just everything they're doing with him ever since he's come back to NXT has been absolutely incredible. I can't wait to see what's more for him because he's only getting better. But this was, I mean, this this was that high car crash energy we expect from the Cruiserweights. Which is funny because they didn't even give, after SmackDown, there was no 205 Live. They didn't announce it or nothing. It just wasn't there. They were just like, nope, not this week. Which is nothing. You know, they pulled a Serial Ferrelli. They were like, not today. What do we say to the cruiserweights? <laughs> what do we say to the cruiserweights? Not today. Not today. And they just turned <laughs> off the feed. <laughs> <laughs> Why we hit that insane? That was fucking magical. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they have, I have a backstage Leo Rush thing here of him uh, after he goes over. So see what this is. 
A rush, this Cruiserweight Championship title defense was sprung on you last moment, but you still managed to come out on top. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling as better as ever. I went out there in a horrible mood. Horrible mood. Away from my family, away from my kids, on the road for a week plus Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, you name it. The man of the hour is there. And on top of that, Angel Garza is running his mouth, talking crap, and this got sprung on me last minute. But you know what? I got the first win for NXT tonight. You put the man of the hour, the champ of the hour, at the front of the line every time, and I deliver. That's exactly what I did tonight. Thank you. Funny thing is, I actually forgot to mention it. Uh, Leo jumped uh, Angel Garza after his match at TakeOver. So, yeah, those two, they got unfinished business for sure. We're definitely going to see a round two between those two. Yeah, definitely look forward to it. And thank you, uh, suiting leader, for the follow. Yes, thank you, sir. Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I didn't have our notifications on there. I don't know why. I always forget. It's to okay. <laughs> yeah, it happens. We're still out here, though. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, up next. Battle of the Tag Team Champions, the Raw Tag Team Champions, Viking Raiders, NXT's three-time Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed Era, and the seven-time Tag Champions, the New Day. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, so hold on a minute. Do we have was this something on the uh, on the ticker? Yeah, this one was on. Yeah, the yeah. Sure. Okay, so here we have it. Here, twenty percent of you thought New Day was going over. Forty percent of you voted that the Undisputed Era would go over, and forty percent of you thought the Viking Raiders would go over. Yeah, and the finish of this, the Viker, the Vikings strike twice because now they are after a, you know, a Viking experience that slammed O'Reilly onto Fish. The Viking Raiders beat Undisputed Era again because this is not the first time those two have been in the ring together. In fact, this is the match where uh, they won the NXT Tag Titles. So it was a really fun match. I kind of like how they almost did an almost identical finish to that Takeover where um. I, I still keep calling him fucking Hanson because it's what I'm used to. But Hanson hits that cartwheel to counter out the high low, hits that bad at backspring elbow, and then but this time instead of fallout, the Viking experience for the win. Yeah, mm-hmm. really cool sequence, and uh, I like the high low, aka total elimination. That's essentially what it is, right? Yeah, I kind of I I tried to think of a name for it, but it's like undisputed elimination is a little bit too long. I feel. You can't yeah. just call it undisputed. That's almost like a cheap out. Yeah, plus you don't want everything to have undisputed in it. Yeah, yeah. that's just pushing it a little bit. It's that it's that's the only trick with them. It's hard to find a move for this. Cause I mean, as Red Dragon, we always knew what their furniture was, which they hit in war games with Chasing the Dragon. They still call it Chasing the Dragon in NXT though. Yeah, Nigel still calls it Chasing the Dragon. <laughs> Nigel and Morrow both. So that's still it, and it's kind of like an Easter egg for people who remember them from Ring of Honor, you know? Yeah, which for those who don't know what it is, it's a vertical suplex. Uh, while Kyle holds the suplex up, Bobby hits a roundhouse, and then it turns into almost a brain buster sometimes. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful move. One of my favorite tag team finishers. But yeah, this this match was all over the place. Um, I like that Bobby was going after Kingston's knee in pretty much throughout the whole match and wound up taking him, pretty much in a sense, taking him out of the match. They even hit total, uh, the total elimination on the outside. But this was a match where I honestly felt like New, I, it was going to be Undisputed or the Viking Raiders only because New Day had never been in the ring with both of these teams before. 
In fact, yeah. I think this was the first time they'd ever had a match with either or. So they and kind of me, went into this with a little bit of an advantage. And for me, I kind of felt that they wanted to go into uh, the main pay because keep in mind with them the kickoff, they wanted to go into the main pay per view with one 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 across the board. Yeah, and this one is uh, this set is put them on an even playing field, which will make no sense then when once we get into later on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a thing. But, um, yeah, great wild tag match between these three teams. I need to see more of this of this Viking Raiders wrestling actual teams because at this point... And thank you, Faniel09, for the host. Thank you, sir. And sorry, Willie. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, at this point, you can't do the whole jobbers every week thing with the Raiders anymore because they beat probably the best team that's ever been in NXT. So at this yeah. point, you can't do the whole, oh, they're going to face this jobber this week or this jobber next week. They've proven they can beat the best on a whole nother show. So you got to start giving them the best. They're the only tag team that's hardly wrestled actual tag teams. And it was random when they started doing that. Where it was like, we've already seen them fight Jobber. Like, why are you guys going back to the Jobber? They did that with also the ALP, where it was like two waves of Jobbers. Yeah, they, they're doing it with them while they're champions. That's the weirdest part. <laughs> the tag champions. I'm pretty sure I know how fucking good they are. Yeah, no one yeah, gets anything out of the Jobber experience. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean, didn't even mean for awesome. that to be that way. Totally unintentional, but that's a good name for the jobber experience. That's what we're going to call it from now on. If we get a match, it's just like jobbers, we're just going to say. And then we had uh, AOP gave us the jobber experience. Yeah. As Martin Jesus, let's be real. AOP just going to hurt somebody in that match. So, yeah, I don't need it to happen to those two. But, uh, yeah, yeah, great, great tag team match for sure. There's a reason all three of these guys are tag team champions. Yeah, I mean, for so. God's sakes, we watch these guys in ROH. Fucking Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish made it to Survivor Series, damn it. <laughs> we got Red Dragon at Survivor Series. So, I mean, um, it, was, it was cool for all the NXT champions. All those belts made it to the big show. And here are the, they, they put a backstage thing for the Viking Raiders here. Guys, tonight it was the NXT Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed Era, versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the New Day, versus you guys, the Raw Tag Team Champions. And you were the victorious ones tonight, so what does this say about the Viking Raiders? It says a simple fact. The Viking Raiders are the best tag team that's ever lived. And that fact is undisputed. Anyone who's got a problem with that... We're not hard to find. It doesn't matter the brands. The raid is here. There's something funny about hearing Hanson talk, and then I hear him do like casual interviews, and it's like it's like two different fucking people. Yeah, you know why? And when you look at their faces, they look like two really nice boys who are good to their moms. Like, I've heard Hanson just regularly talk. He sounds like he'd be selling me a car. And then I hear that, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> such nice guys. Oh, God. But, I mean, Hanson's athleticism, even all these years later, it's still amazing. Yeah. He does it so fluid to be that big. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fluid big guys, man. Right? I think it was even AC that said, like, what's up with all these big guys that move so fast? 
it's like, yeah, of, it's weird, right? It's a new age of athlete. Everyone goes through it, man. If you look at baseball players from years ago next to the ones that we had, even though they blame steroids, but then look at the basketball players compared to how it used to be. You know, athletes evolve and shit. Look at MMA, man. There, yeah. there's, there's shit that happens in MMA that 10 years ago you would, you would have never, it, it was a brawl fest compared to now where there's so much technique and shit to it, you know, like things right. evolve. So the athletes have evolved. Freaking nuts. Oh, God. But then uh, the party ain't over. Because up next, the Women's Survivor Series match. Three-way, five-way dances. Team NXT versus Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. And the finish of this, after all the craziness, it comes down to three. And Rhea Ripley gets the definitive win with a riptide on Sasha Banks. So 50% of you were correct in choosing Team NXT, where 40% of you were incorrect in choosing Raw, and 10% of you believed in SmackDown. That's cute. <laughs> SmackDown, not surprisingly, the most dysfunctional team I could have ever seen in my life, because, I mean, Jesus Christ, you freaking, what was it, Lacey Evans and Sasha Banks on the same team? They're going straight to shit. But it's like, I, I went into this, I, I kind of like how interesting it became that Team NXT wound up becoming two virtually two pieces of the war games match where it wasn't just that one winning team with a uh, yim and Knox being out you had eo shirai and bianca belair basically filling in the spots yeah exactly and speaking of i liked the evil little sky pirate battle that went down yeah you know? I, I i never thought about that until they both got in the ring i was like holy shit the sky pirates was in the same place again because it kept happening throughout this battle in NXT, but they were just never on screen at the same time. I was wondering what would happen here. They well, they got they had one brief moment where they were um and in, in on NXT. I think it was the last one, but they didn't touch. Yeah, so they kind of teased it. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because like we talked about how the split kind of screwed things up. It wound up working out better for both of them in the end. Yeah, Eel got I- to be this badass heel. Kyrie Singh is a champion on the main roster. You know it, why it, it worked? It worked out really good for the both of them. You know why it worked? Because cutesy Japanese gimmicks on girls doesn't work for the era that we're in. It just makes them look ridiculous. Ask AEW. Yeah, Every yeah. single <laughs> Japanese girl in there comes out cutesy. Every single one of them literally comes out of gorilla position, fighting evil by moonlight. <laughs> No, you fucking didn't. It took me a second to catch it. You ass. Like every single one. You you don't want to have. <laughs> don't try to speed past that shit. You just Sailor Moon and shit. Am I wrong? I You're not wrong. That's the bad part. Think oh, about that shit. for a minute. Let's stick with this for a second. Every fucking time I see a Japanese person in AEW, they, they have cute music. They come hopping out and waving. Sometimes I don't know if they, they have glitter or if I just feel like they should have glitter or if there is glitter there <laughs> or if the fucking energy has glitter in it. But they just come out with a glittery atmosphere, hopping around and shit. When has that ever been cool in anything? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> the girls could be badasses. Like, think about it. If you're into anime or if you're even into anything live action in Japan, all of the best girl characters don't act like that. I mean, Think about it. All, sakes, of the best, though, all of the coolest girl characters do not act like that, ever. In I mean, even, even though I'm one of the few Attack on Titan fans in the community, that's why motherfucking Mikasa works. Because she's not cute and cuddly. The bitch is a badass. 
In America, so, they have a habit, at least now in AAW, of making all of the girls act like in the magical girl genre of anime. Like, no matter uh, what the, who the girl <laughs> is, she becomes a fucking magical girl. We don't need magical girls in anime. I don't want magical bitches. I want murderers. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Give her a <laughs> rocket launcher. <laughs> I need you know? to be scared to try to fuck you. Like, <laughs> But yeah, getting back to these guys, it's way better. Now that they are, now that they have that, you know, now that yeah, they're like, able like to. Like, Io Shirai looks like he could, Io Shirai looks like at any point in time she would snap and murder somebody in the crowd. Just random person in a roll B. Like, Kyrie's saying, like, even though she laughs a lot, it has like a sinister feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Where she's like, she's a little tashed in the head and fucking Squires, Johnny B. Bad had a great entrance. You fuck right off. All right, but. And then Oscar, we got the vicious Oscar back through a heel turn. And that's what I mean. Vicious used with women is something that's really cool that WWE's been able to tap into. Then you tune in on Wednesdays and it's all. (laughs) You know, that's what the fucking Wednesday wrestling's becoming with the chicks. Get out of here with that, man. played in my head the whole time oh god you were just talking about a finisher where people just went through tables where bodies went through tables meantime we tune into dynamite is over here <laughs> wait cut that shit out already give these oh girls god, some respectable gimmicks the fuck are they oh, coming out with these little mini skirts and this fairy looking shit you know it's just absurd to me man it's been getting around i know somebody was talking about wwe but that, that's every time i see the nxt women it reminds me of what's being done wrong on the other side and like I said, I'm over the honeymoon phase with AEW. I think they're a great company, but we have to start looking at the holes in their in their situation. They're not yeah. perfect. You know, there yeah. are things that WWE does better by far, and the women is definitely one of them. I mean, for me personally, and of course we're gonna segue right back in the Survivor Series after this, but it's just like that's the one thing for me. There might be more that I just haven't seen yet, but that's the one. That's where I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> I don't want Sailor Moon, bitch. I want Inuyasha. Like, get it together. But, uh... Yeah. Uh, Just had to get the ending in part. They gotta get the little... (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) God almighty. But, yeah, this was a really, really fun match to watch. Uh, my favorite thing of that whole match was that moment when Charlotte fucked up. Oscar yeah. got every last bit of that missed shot. That's the one I've been saying she needs to hit. Yeah. Because Charlotte looked like she Charlotte looked like she was going to a my Kimmel romance conference when she went to the back. Yeah, and they even tried to do prior prior to this, they tried to do that cool sequence of signatures and finishers that for some reason had uh well I guess it makes sense. Sasha came out sort of on the top of it. Yeah. Which he sort of ran the ring for a little while. And he also had, uh, the only thing I didn't like was there was a little bit too much booking in here where you had Io Shirai, Candice LeRae, who were, uh, you know, they did the whole thing on the side where they were nursing injuries, where if you're going to go through a storyline like that, don't have them nurse the injuries off camera. And like you mentioned in the chat room, another way they could have went about it would have been to, uh, give some sort of a replay or an indication as to what was going on, especially now in hindsight when we realize that this was a storyline. Yeah. Cause like they gave no, cause like if you're looking away and you missed it, it's like, the fuck happened like 
They they yeah. they showed <laughs> they showed Cole almost die seven times at War Games. You can't show me this shit once. And I get that this is a kayfabe injury, but when's the last time that you had a kayfabe injury where, or or, or a shoot injury where have two people simultaneously were were injured at once yeah. in different spots? But I mean, figure Bianca Belair put on quite a show, two eliminations in this match, so she had the most, I think, overall out of everybody. But yeah, she, oh yeah, she was on fire this match. <laughs> Everything from top to bottom, these ladies did absolutely amazing. It was cool to see how many alum from NXT's women's division showed up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, it was I mean, cool overall. Um, you know, and Oscar and Charlotte, and like you mentioned before, the green mist, which led into her getting hit with the women's right, and then that's how uh, Charlotte gets eliminated, and Oscar winds up storming off that whole thing. Like I said, everything sort of had an interesting uh, situation here, since there was inner turmoil within the ranks of the SmackDown and Raw locker rooms. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think on a team where Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai, and Bianca Belair were on the same team. Think about it, Candice LeRae and Io Shirai were on the same team and just got along. Yeah. <laughs> and we've seen what those two have done to each other. That's just kind of like, it's kind of, it, it just says a lot more about NXT over Raw and SmackDown where it's like, yeah, you got the star power, but you have too much ego there. Yeah. Like, I, I looked at it, and it was kind of cool to see EO and Candles look at it like, you know what? We beat each other up in a double cage last night. I think we can take a break tonight. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, as well, it was great to see this was our first official match, at least on TV, um, in the black and yellow brand. Tony Storm making an appearance in Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah she, did, she did good. Girl did very good. She didn't get to do too much, but... Enough to show that I think she's I, she's got a, a bright future in this NXT Women's Division. I mean, the God says the girl was the UK champion for God knows how long. Well, yeah, she's one of the people that they haven't been shy about trying to push, you know? So. Oh, not at all. You no. shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, no, good for her, man. Definitely good. Like I said, I'm not going to be one of those guys. I'm going to sit here and like, AEW is the cool new thing. I went through that in my era, man. I hate to say my era and make my age show there, but I went through that that uh, cult following shit with the ECW thing where you were cool because you're following ECW and it was like against WWE and it wasn't WCW either, which was, you know, this has happened. This is all history repeating itself. And I don't really have like a horse in this race. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, um, I'll, I'll just call what's good and what isn't. And yeah, yeah, you know, with, with right now, I think the WWE has a lot more going for it. Maybe there's still silly things we don't like, the Lashley stuff or whatever. There's, of course, there's going to be segments and stuff that's not catered to our demographic. But by default, they have a lot more going for it. Even if it's an unfair default, the default of having a gigantic network and unlimited resources and unlimited power and, and things of that nature and three to four days a week of opportunities to put on different programming more accessibility and more of further reach you know it's just it's almost impossible to be able to compete with that they have more going for them even if 80 percent of their content sucks and 20 percent of their content is good that 20 percent of the content collectively is probably more than what their competition is dishing out per week so they can almost afford to 80 percent suck because the 20 percent that they're still doing scott steiner math here the 20 percent that they're still doing is about 100 percent of the competition's effort Think yeah. about it that way. And I'm not saying that's great. I'm just saying statistically, that doesn't mean they should relax. But I'm just saying that they have more, they, they have a lot more going on 
So when it is all on fire, it's white hot. Yeah, they realistically, WWE is the one that still has, you could almost call it a safety net. Yeah, they'll always have something to fall back on. They've built this loop. That's why it's an empire. It's not just one thing. They'll always have something. If Mondays don't work, Wednesdays will work. If Wednesdays don't work, Fridays don't work. If not, that the network will work. If then that's Saudi Arabia. You know, it's like there's literally so much that they could fall back on that they're able to when they need to. Just to collectively push all of their resources into making Wednesdays, Wednesdays the prominent night, which is what we're seeing them do here. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like this. A lot of people are just like, oh, WWE's better, AEW better. You know what I say is better? Good wrestling. That's what's better. No matter where you get it, as long as it's good wrestling, everybody wins in the end. Yeah, WWE's not going anywhere, man. You know, for people who even had that preconceived notion. But uh, we got the locker room backstage here of the women celebrating after their win. Let's see what that's about. Candice, Tony, EO, Bianca, and Rhea, congratulations. Taking home the second win for NXT. How awesome does it feel to showcase such dominance? It feels absolutely amazing to go out there and do what we just did. People have been underestimating NXT as a whole for so long now. Saying that we are not the main roster. Well, we just proved to every single human out there today that we are the main roster. Yes, we might not get along from time to time. Yes, we've been to war with each other multiple times. But I think we can put that aside for today and give Raw and SmackDown exactly what they deserve. Congratulations. Enjoy celebrating the win. Thank you. And actually, looking at that image, I don't know why it didn't hit me, but War Games, all three UK women's champions were in the same place at the same time because there's only been three. Rhea was first, Tony was the second, and now we have Kaylee Ray as the current. Yeah, and they all, you know what I like about that? Each of them stylistically was different from, from each other. So every time exactly. someone else had the title, it was a completely different tone of title uh, defense going on, title run, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Spartan Jesus had mentioned when it comes to the women, even Impact's getting that right. Because Tessa Blanchard has been the top draw and a half over there. I mean, for God's sakes, the girl's challenging for a world fucking championship. Like, she, uh, it's it's crazy that AEW is the only so one that's not getting it right. You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Soundheart19, long number for, <laughs> for the follow. Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah, but it's... Uh, it was, it was a great night for all the ladies, for sure. I mean, for God's sakes, Rhea Ripley had probably the best weekend ever. The girl won a War Games match and a Survivor Series match. It was a sole survivor because he was the only one left on her team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It was just kind of funny how, like, Sasha, I don't know what Sasha was thinking. It was just like, yeah, we have uh, the advantage over NXT. I'm going to eliminate Natalia and make it to where I have no backup. <laughs> Which was definitely foolish, but at the end we did get as a treat that Rhea Ripley versus Sasha Banks exchange, which was cool. It almost, I'm glad that it, it went the way that it did because it was like Rhea Ripley, her physical imposing nature being so big versus Sasha, but then she's a veteran and she's sneaky. So she was able to like get the upper hand a lot of the time. I like the way it, it came together, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And since WWE hasn't named it, I, like I've said in the chat room multiple times, I'm officially calling that submission the Aussie Deathlock. Because it looks like an Indian death log is in um, Rip and Rio's from Australia. So fuck it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, crazy night. I mean, yeah. absolutely incredible job by all of those women. This has been one of the coolest weekends for women's wrestling. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. 
And then up next, another champions three-way. Roderick Strong, the North American champion. AJ Styles, the United States champion. And Shinsuke Nakamura with his brand new Intercontinental Championship. And whew. let's have a look here real quick. So I didn't have it in front of me. Okay, voting results. 50% of you felt Roderick Strong was going over. 30% of you. I mean, I'm sorry, AJ Styles was going over. 30% of you felt Roderick Strong was going over. 20% of you for not for Nakamura with the winner being Roddy. Yep, after AJ hits a phenomenal form on Nakamura, Roderick throws AJ out of the ring and steals a pin. It wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. But you know what, man? Everything else, like Roderick Strong really stood out to me in this match. Not that everyone didn't do good, but it, he really stood out as someone who we haven't seen in a big match like this before that fit perfectly into the mold. Yeah, he you was he, he looked so at home with AJ and Nakamura, who have been in the ring together a lot more times than Roger could been in the ring with them. Yeah. So, I mean, one of my favorite spots right away was um, it, it was like that uh, AJ had Roger in that electric chair, and Nakamura hit that leaping kick that he does, and basically almost completely wiped out uh, Strong and actually landed on Strong's knee, kind of funky. Yeah, thankfully, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like anybody. I mean, at least from what we've heard, it doesn't seem like anybody's hurt. Uh, yeah, eh, he probably just it was just probably taking a nasty fall on the knee, but he looked fine for the rest of the match. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, when I watch this, I, I feel like um, and not to say that NXT is not the main league anymore. It's not. It's, it's, I know it's considered the big time now, but Roderick looked good in a main event scene. Exactly. He looked like he'd been on this kind of stage a million times before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, incredible match by all four of them. It was fun to see Nakamura and AJ in the ring together. Again, like it's just, yeah, it's it never gets dull with those two. Thank God there were no low blows this time. This pay per view is like eighty percent Ring of Honor roster, right? Eighty <laughs> like percent of this thing was all from ROH. This was the meat potatoes of ROH in New Japan. It was great. Yeah, this was also an excellent match. That I recommend watching. And they did a Roderick backstage. So let's see what the hell this is. Roderick Strong, what a win tonight! Defeating the United States Champion AJ Styles. And the Intercontinental Champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, continuing the dominance with NXT. How momentous was this win for you? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's me. <laughs> no, it's huge. But the Undisputed Era said, we don't only run NXT, we run the whole WWE. And that's what we do. We prove night in and night out. We had war games last night. We went to war for over 40 minutes. We came here today and we're, do- we're going to dominate. Me and AJ Styles have a very, very long history, and me and Nakamura as well. So tonight meant more than I can put into words. But I'll tell you one thing. This is just the beginning for the Undisputed Era. And that, that's Undisputed. Good for Roddy. And as I said, Marini getting that victory dick tonight. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's a whole different kind of stronghold. No. (laughs) Oh, God. But then, of course, next, history made, because for the first time ever at Survivor Series, the NXT Championship is on the line. The bruiserweight Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole. Yes, with the voting results coming in, with 83% of you feeling Adam Cole's going to retain here, 17% of you feeling Pete Dunne with the upset. Yeah, but upset, no, no, upset, no, 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 because after a last shot, Cole survives the bruiserweight. This was so fun of a match to watch. 
And it didn't surprise me at all, honestly. Like, I know people were expecting an upset here, but really from Adam Cole, Pete Dunne is good, but he has a long way to go for that. I don't think it would happen at Survivor Series, especially when they're in the midst of pushing Adam Cole right now. You yeah, it, even for Pete Dunne, it was too soon for Cole to lose this match. Yeah. So, But, I mean, this, this match was all over the place. First of all, the fact that Cole was alive and walking was a victory in itself. And, yeah, as far as you say, he might be a Terminator. <laughs> because he looked like he looked until he took a shirt off, he looked fine. Until I saw the rib tape, I was just like, oh, so he just unfucking scathed. But no, he um he, he took a beating and Dunn also had a taped up knee. So they were damaged goods from the get go. And I like that at one point this match literally turned into whose body won't respond anymore at a certain point. Because Cole hit a last shot. Cole hit um that knee lift, the original last shot, done hit a bitter end. They all survived that. Yep. And uh yeah, brutal stuff, man. I didn't I, I thought that that was gonna be his excuse. If he was gonna lose, I thought that was gonna be the crutch. That yeah. was my thing going into I, it too. For everybody who was in war games, I was like, if any of them lose, it's because of what war games did. Yeah, and I gotta say, man, that Panama Sunrise on the apron that he hit done with, holy crap. Oh, dude. But the move of the night, the counter of the fucking millennium, Dunn goes for a bitter end, and mid-move, Cole hits a Panama Sunrise and clips him with that last shot. Yeah, real good looking <laughs> stuff. <here. laughs> I've never seen that before. The wherewithal to count, um, counter a move as disorienting as the bitter end. Like, this, this match was amazing. I love that moment on the apron when I think Cole tried to go for almost a Death Valley driver. His back gave out. I think Dunn tried to go for something. I think it was a suplex and his knee gave out. And I like that so much because it showed that their bodies were starting to shut down. And like it was literally it was clutch time. Somebody has to finish it. Yeah. And they put Cole way over, though. Yeah. Yeah, Because even though he hasn't been champion in what better part of a year. Dunn's still a massive threat to anybody he goes in the ring with. But not Cole. I think, unfortunately, that's what that kind of proved today. A, a battered and beaten Cole was able to win, you know? Yeah. yeah. Even though Dunn only still had one good wheel, Dunn with one good wheel is tougher than most men with three good ones. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's actually the first. Adam Cole, not only a little thing nobody ever mentioned as well. Adam Cole, the first person to beat Dunn in this building. Because Dunn's been here before. He won his UK title here, and he won, uh, I believe it was War Games they had here as well, I think. That's pretty so it's good. just, that's kind of a little, little mini streak that they, they kind of got overlooked. But, I mean, this was absolutely incredible match. Pete Dunne's going to be NXT champion one of these days. It's At this point, he, he put on too good of a performance against such a, t- such a top talent not to. And, yeah, exactly what Squire said. This showed NXT is a brand. It's not developmental. Because yeah. they stole the whole show tonight with that match. Now they just have to retain that. Yeah, they got to keep that up. Like, there's no more of this, okay, we're only going to have them on the pay-per-views on Survivor Series. Even if it's not brand warfare, throw them on the pay-per-views Rumble Weekend. Throw them on the pay-per-views WrestleMania. They showed they can hang with everybody else and probably even outdo everybody else on the big stages. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And uh, like I said, my my biggest concern is what happens, though. Like, do they keep doing it? Do they not keep doing it, though? 
or if they keep doing it, eventually what you're going to wind up to with, with three brands that sort of are intermixed again, which is what everyone who loves NXT didn't want. They don't want this to become a brand where the other two brands can just sort of walk in. They don't like the open door policy. So it's, what do you think would keep them as a legitimate third brand? Them being their own thing or them continuing to intermingle like this? Because realistically, that's what put them on the map. Yeah. The thing I think that would help NXT is when you have these multi-brand pay-per-views, even if they're not fighting each other, having them there shows that significance as a third brand. When WrestleMania shows up, I don't want to see just Raw and just SmackDown and then the one NXT guy in the fucking Battle Royale have the championships on the line, too, because then that shows more of that significance as a third brand. Hell, in 2K20, that's how my universe mode is right now. The big four are triple brand pay-per-views now because it makes NXT it gives it gives you the impression of what the fans have been telling you that this is brand number three. But then why so does I, brand number three get their own pay-per-views when SmackDown and Raw don't? Yeah, that's the problem as well. Like, do they go back to um, do they go back to having every brand have separate pay-per-views as well? It's a it's a tiff. It's a really really tricky line to dance on. Because you don't want to give NXT that special treatment of having their own takeovers, but the takeovers are always so special because it's the all NXT night. Yeah. I feel like you could, I feel like almost you only do it for the big four the SummerSlams, the Survivor Series, the Rumbles, and Mania. Because yeah. that's the night when basically everybody comes together. Which is what the, how they really do it most of the time, anyway. Yeah. It's usually the only time Raw and SmackDown get together, make it the time where it's the only time we see NXT in the mix as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely possible. They just have to do it right. And yeah, it's kind of like uh, Squire said, just don't screw it up with the whole entertainment gimmicks. Yeah. You got to do this right if you're going to do it. Which that's when it becomes dangerous. You know, that's when it becomes dangerous. Yeah, because one wrong mistake and that whole head goes right out the window. Yeah, All right, I gave the results for this one right. Um, yes, yes, you did. Okay, awesome. Sweet. And then up next, Daniel Bryan challenging for the Universal Championship against the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Oh, wait, wait, we got an Adam Cole thing we didn't play. There we go. Yeah, we got to hear from Cole. Cole, You have had quite a 24 hours, but given what you went through both physically and mentally last night, a lot of people questioned whether you could pull out that win and retain the NXT championship tonight. What do you have to say to them? Uh, Yeah, it's not new to me being questioned. Uh, My entire career, people have said, no, no, Adam Cole can't be a world champion. Adam Cole won't be a world champion. And I knew deep down that I was going to prove everybody wrong and spit in their face while doing it. This past month, not 24 hours, but month, I have shown the world that I am the best pro wrestler on the planet. Nobody is better than me. No championship is more prestigious. I proved that at Survivor Series, and I will continue over and over and over again to prove it. Hurt or not, banged up or not, nobody can stop me because I am the freaking man. I am the freaking show, and most notably, I am undisputed. The man has spoken. Yeah. Because he's so angry, he won. <laughs> right? How cool you person ever seen the pissed off after a victory? <laughs> Look at it, like, smile, motherfucker. Like, yeah, you live happy. war games and you want to survive series. Yeah, there's no reason to be so freaking salty. Come on, man. You defy death and are chained the championship all the same 24-hour period. <laughs> I, will be, 
I would be cheesing like the cat from Alice in Wonderland. Are you kidding me? Right, Cheshire Cat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'd be on injury road for cheekbones. Fucking, oh, God. But yeah, up next we had a Universal Championship on the line. Braves first defense, The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. And uh, voting results over here have 80% of you feeling The Fiend is going to retain his blue title. 20% of you feeling Daniel Bryan is going to take it from him. Win or 80%? You're wrong. I mean, well, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Mandible Claw and uh, Daniel passes out. The ref counts three and the Fiend retains yet again. Why is the Mandible Claw a pen? That's the part I don't get because, like, the fact that he passed out, like, you just, you, you do the arm thing and then boom, it's over. Why does the ref count to three, though? That's stupid. Like, yeah, like, once you see he's passed out, like, fucking, that's three seconds of brain damage, bro. What you doing? Like, <laughs> and you we, know we what, didn't man? get this man for three years because of his brain. Don't fuck that up again. <laughs> and you know what, man? The Fiend matches themselves aren't very memorable. They they actually are all pretty bad. None of them are really good. Sure, stuff happens that we talk about, but there's no good Fiend matches. Yeah. Bray Wyatt regular before this whole gimmick had better matches than The Fiend. The Fiend matches have a lot not going for them. The fact that they're all in, in Virtual Boy Red is only one of the small problems that these matches have. The pacing of these matches, probably because they're being careful because they can't see shit, is really slow. There's not really any solid wrestling going on. You have Daniel Bryan in the ring, Dragon, one of the best people on the planet, one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And the match that they gave us tonight was very lackadaisical. Like, you know, there's a lot of rest holes, there's a lot of submissions, a lot of a lot of drama and camera angles. The Fiend better start having good matches, man, because eventually this entire uh demon shit is gonna wear off with people like it's cool and everything but that can't be all that there is to it the undertaker has these elaborate intros and stuff and he was very dramatic and the dark side and the promos and everything but when he was in the ring he delivered in his prime exactly like he was able to to the point where he was able to abandon all of that and just come out as some guy who'll kick your ass and it was even better so that you yeah. can't you can't come out here with this mystique and all this energy and these lights and everything else and then not deliver in the ring because that's what makes those gimmicks as much as wrestling's about the sport of it the other part of it is you have to convince me when you're in the ring him him crawling around like that and doing the mandible claw isn't convincing exactly and they book the problem is they booked themselves into a horrible corner because you booked it to where basically kind of like spartan jesus says nothing really affects him the man's taking like 50 finishers per match so it's like i remember when we were saying like i think uh, i was talking about how cole and dunn stole the night the i I, at this point i I had to ignore the fact that it was daniel bryan because i knew what this match was going to be and it's sad because everything that bray solely had to do with this gimmick has been amazing the fact that he communicates through this firefly funhouse the fact that he acknowledges the fiend like a separate person the random appearances by the fiend all bray fantastic once the booking gets into it it goes straight to shit i enjoy the fiend until the second the bell rings because i know that's when bray loses complete control and you saw me in the chat i jokingly before it happened i put haha a thousand yes kicks and then a minute later (laughs) yes yes and he did five and he no sold and i was like they're not really going to yes (laughs) he did he did another five and I was like, this is really, and I, I told him, I was like, dude, is your thing in sync with mine? Because you, I put that joke before I realized that they were going to actually do the the yes kicks over and over on the guy. Like, come, that can't be the, the, what he does. That he just gets hit with a lot of finishers and doesn't, and doesn't get pinned. Oh, okay. Oh, we got an audio, audio glitch here. We have 
Let me fix this real quick. Anyway, we do it. Sorry about that. What were you saying? Yeah, but yeah, it's just like kind of like Squire says, enough with the whole red light thing. The red light, another thing. Nobody, I guarantee Bray didn't suggest that shit. Whoever's suggesting this extra shit for the, for the Fiend, take it away and stop it. There were because, rumors, and these are just rumors, that they wanted to do an angle and that they're thinking put incorporating the storyline that the red light is where he gets his power. Oh, for fuck's sakes. It's just, why can't they just let people have their ideas and it just be that? It, it, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't need a red light. I don't need, like, I, I just like I said, the only, the things I enjoy about The Fiend are the stuff outside of the ring. The stuff where I know, hey, that's just them letting Bray do what Bray wants to do. Because we've seen with the fact that he created this whole thing. He is an extremely smart individual. You don't need your grubby little fucking hands in it, putting on red lights, having them no-sell every goddamn move in the book. Well, like, you never know, because I heard some speculation that they're going to really go deep with the storyline. There's even going to be a, a sequence where it turns out that the uh, the red light is actually what got Lana pregnant. Oh, for fuck's sake. And you know what? This wouldn't be surprised because a dumb bitch <laughs> came and because a dumb bitch came and decided 90 days from 90 feet to 90 miles. Wouldn't be surprised if you got pregnant by a light. She's going to have a little. Why do you have a glowing baby, Lana? It's fess up time. <laughs> Confess, motherfucker. <laughs> Greatest episode of Mari ever. Let's go. Yeah, Squire, you know the reason why? Because they have to get their grubby little hands and shit that Bray's doing because they see it working. They heard the crowd pop at SummerSlam and they're like, oh, let's let's mess this up and make it even better. No, like, WWE, this is the one problem I always have with WWE. If you see a guy making something work, just let him make it work. The crowd is literally telling you there's nothing wrong with what happened to SummerSlam. Just let it go. No, they have to have their hands in it. They have to have some kind of credit. And then when it goes to shit, they blame whoever was in it. Like, there's so much that could have been done good about The Fiend to the point where it's ruining it for me. I'm I'm trying to enjoy this character still. It's to the point where as long as it's outside of a pay-per-view match, I'm loving it. But don't make it to where the second the bell rings, I'm waiting for the bitch to ring again. And the f- sad part is that if this was back pre-2011, it would be fine. Yeah. He could have came out and done his whole intro and then just each match just hit somebody with a thumb to the eye and pin them and no one would have cared. The problem is that since 2011 going forward, post-CM Punk interview, shoot promo, pipe bomb, call it what you will, the crowd has been smartened up. People, remember, there were points where people didn't know who the hell we were talking about on here when we spoke about Roderick Strong, Ring of Honor champion and stuff, or about Code of Honor, or any of that shit, you know? People are smart now. So they're not going to accept it anymore just on the entertainment aspect. They want to see what he can do in the ring. Exactly. And Mark, to answer your question, the, the, the one we see in the Firefly Funhouse, the whole point is that that version of Bray is not the one that gets in the ring. But they could still do that without having the Fiend basically look like you almost have to shoot him to beat him. Like, at this point, it's going to be freaking Glock 45 on a pole match before he's going to lose the damn title. Yeah, pretty much. But that's, that's the thing. You know, they have something good here. Don't waste it out. Exactly. You know? Don't ruin it before it starts actually getting as good as it could be. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem because we remember talking about how SummerSlam, how excited we were to see this unique looking character. It was just it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's just the same how he got ruined like this. And you're right, Sparn. People do want to see, you know, good good matches. And that's the thing. People know what good matches are now. I'm glad. Before, people didn't know what good matches are. That's how come those Batista matches were able to let fly. If you guys, No one likes to admit that they were Batista fans. But most of the people who weren't into indies, that first Batista run, everybody marked out for him. Because they didn't know what good matches are. I hate to 
shit on the guy like that. I like his character, Drax, and Guardians really a lot. But I remember his first run was so successful because the audience wasn't smartened up. Because I remember when I first saw Batista early on, and just thought, oh man, this is going to be great. Like, I can't wait to see what he does. And, and he didn't do shit. You know, it's like he looks like he, a whole bunch of cool things are going to happen, but then they never do. It's almost like yeah. the Google Stadia, you know, it just sounded and looked like all these <laughs> wonderful things. And then when you, when you executed, just didn't do any of that. Then when I, when I saw a guy like that, he wasn't really someone who could work in the ring at all. Aside from his sit out power bomb, and it was more cool the way he rolls up than the actual fucking power and the bomb. Spine buster. You know, the spine buster where he pops the way he recoils, recoils off of it. Those were cool spots, but that was literally all he had. Like his, yeah. his, um, storytelling in the ring wasn't that good. And then taking that back to somebody like in the current day where you got, uh, you know, matches like The Fiend and Daniel Bryan, there's no reason why a match like that shouldn't be good. You have two guys that know how to work great. Like, The Fiend could be done so – because the first thing I have to take away is this whole he's indestructible thing. It's cool to see somebody who's extremely hard to beat, but make it realistic. Make it to the point where he's selling the shit out of everything, and then you hit him with your finisher. And that, that – have you ever – like, what made the um, – like, the, the example, something as small as uh, the sit-up from The Undertaker – what made it so cool was that he didn't do it all the time. You knew it was there, but you didn't know when it was going to happen. Yeah. But with Bray, it's like they have they have the, some somebody in the back decided, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have him pop up after every fucking move. And it's like you're you're killing that spot. You're killing the pop, and you're making it to where nobody's that excited to see it. Like I said, my excitement dies down drastically the second that bell rings, that fucking red virtual boy light comes on. It's yeah. just because that's the everything in between that is what I still enjoy about it. And they should be more creative than a red light. Exactly. He's not even like the first person who he's not even the first person who had a red light. So many <laughs> other people have had a red light. The Brood and Gangrel, Boogeyman, Kane. It's not like they this this has happened before. It's not original. Everything but the red light is original. You know how many red lights there's been? Even yeah, the fucking every, right to censor had a red light. Squires makes a good point. You book him like mankind. He, he, yeah, he, yeah, he gets beat up realistically, but he could take insane amounts of damage. Because, I mean, there's little things about the thing that I love. I mentioned in the chat room. I like the fact of how well the mask uh, muffles his voice. So it gives it almost like it gives it a little bit more of a sinister feel to it. I like the hair that drapes over the mask the way it does. The mask itself is amazing. That's one of the few things that 2K20 did right. The freaking mask looks beautiful in that game. But just certain things like the red light. The no selling virtually everything. That stuff has to go if you want to salvage this character. Yeah, how about the salvation be that he just wrestles good? Not that he has the power to just yeah. take infinite moves. What the f- it's still wrestling. Man, for God's sake, freaking Pete Dunn, you damn near had to kill him to beat him, but it still looked real. Yeah. <laughs> it just pretty much meant as long as he was still breathing, he still had to fight him. You can do that. You can do his character so right, so easily. But I don't know what it is like WWE has this annoying habit where they see the fans negatively respond to something and they just don't pay it any attention. The second they start, they responded negatively to Rollins hitting him with 11 fucking stomps and then you stop in the match. That's where you stop the shit right there. See exactly. what they didn't like and then take it out. Exactly. But that's such a challenge in this fucking company. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, next we had... The long-awaited, longly-anticipated Raw vs. SmackDown vs. NXT 15-man triple threat tag team match, Espiadadocious. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> help myself there. Oh, God. 
I love how you just had to do it again. 50% but, uh, of you thought NXT was going over. 30% of you thought Raw. 20% of you thought SmackDown with 30% of you being correct because it's Raw. Well, no, SmackDown won this one, didn't it? Was it SmackDown? Oh, yeah, it was SmackDown. Yeah, right. yeah. It wasn't yeah, even Raw from here. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, SmackDown got their asses kicked tonight. Spoiler alert. You're absolutely right. Because Roman actually goes over Keith Lee, which was cool because Keith Lee got to be at the end of this. He got to be one of the final guys besides Rollins. But yeah, Roman goes over Keith Lee with the spear. For once, it's not Rollins burning it down, huh? Yeah, ironically, Rollins got eliminated by the NXT guys, the place place where he still claims he built that house. Sorry, that house house is upgraded to a fucking mansion since you've been gone, brah. He built that house and the the doozers kicked his ass out of it. But yeah, yeah Roman but, went over Keith Lee. The fans were really salty that Walter got eliminated early, even though he showed dominance over Braun Strowman. Yeah. I mean, just a lot of stuff that was done really cool in this match. And yeah, you're right, you're, you're right, I, uh, I Spartan. He did, he did. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought the whole thing between Corbin and uh, just Corbin in general was going to cost Team SmackDown, just because, let's be real, nobody on that team fucking liked him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to backfire for SmackDown, but it didn't backfire as bad as it could have. No, no, it did not. And um, yeah, but there was there was so much. He even went that... as far as to eliminate a brawl, bro. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he eliminated Matt Riddle, uh, and that was after Riddle uh, eliminated um, Orton. Yeah, but you got to was... watch your back, bro. You can't be celebrating around Randy Orton, bro. <laughs> He kind of yeah he he kind of had that coming yeah like, I dog, don't I knew he was gonna get RKO don't, don't pop for yourself like that RKO was only out of nowhere for him for everybody else who was paying attention it was out of somewhere <laughs> everybody that else was, you know was, the sad part about this ain't that kind of fucked up his teammate nobody said shit Riddle's the only nobody. person in modern time to get hit by an RKO out of somewhere. Everybody else gets his with RKO's out of nowhere, where it's too late, it's off camera, oh shit, there he is, we didn't see it. Everybody saw it, like Orton was behind him, Orton was staring at him. He even had a stare down where he was looking at him like, I'm gonna fucking RKO you. Like they were having, you know what I mean? It was kind of like he was the only person who, who didn't know he was getting RKO'd in that match. You know, this was an RKO out of somewhere. Yo, I started laughing after he hit it because I was like, "Wait a minute! You were the, your your team was in the corner of your eye. Did nobody say anything?" See, Ricochet is smarter. Ricochet understands the way the WWE works because when Ricochet thought he might even have the slightest beef with Orton, he was looking over his shoulder. He was in catering, looking over his shoulder. He was he was traveling. He was traveling home by himself. He was checking his rearview mirror when he was on the road. He would lock the door in his hotel. He was waiting for that fucking RKO. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't until Orton and him became really cool where he relaxed a little bit. You Riddle know? was a deer in the Riddle's, fucking head. Riddle's broing in the ring after Randy Orton gives him the <laughs> ultimate nasty look. You know, where he, you know, it's just like, what are you doing, man? Oh Jesus Christ! You know, I did yeah, like the standoff. That, obvious. Yeah, and I did like the fact that Orton and Champa had that little standoff where it's like he looked like he was gonna slither into RKO him, and Champa looked at him like, "Yeah, motherfucker, you gonna RKO me?" You think I don't watch Raw? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was oh, awesome. Fuck, I jumped my best friend with a crutch and nobody saw that coming. You fuck, you think this is? Yeah, awesome stuff, man. Oh, God. That pow- that spirit bomb Lee hit Roman with. Roman hit the ground and bounced onto the back of his head. Yeah, there were a few moments where it looked like that might be it. We might bask <laughs> in his glory. I saw, I saw that shit and I was like, yep, he fucking died. 
But yeah, this this match was all over the place. Everybody did a really good job for sure. They have to uh they have to start putting people over now, you know what I mean? Like they really have to start they would rather keep this momentum going. They can't abandon to, like tomorrow has to have more NXT stuff. I hate to say it, but now's a good time to keep it going, man. Oh yeah. But the question is, are they? I've seen them drop all the angles after Survivor Series like a bad habit. So you got to be really careful with them. Like sometimes after Survivor Series, they just divorce the whole thing of what was going on. I've seen it happen to me. I'm not saying that's going to happen this time. If they have any intelligence, they won't because they need to continue to fight against AEW. So that might work in their advantage. But I mean, even if you look at the invasion angle, which ended at the winner take all match, Survivor Series 2001, they were serious about that shit. It wasn't one of those angles where it was like winner take all and the other company goes out of business and they weren't. Those guys were gone the next Monday. Like that Monday, yeah. they were fucking gone. The few people that they did show, but I believe it was like Hurricane, maybe Landstorm or whoever, whatever say, I think Hugh Morris, they literally completely shit it all because they, it would show them like off screen, like at what jobs they had. I don't know if you recall that. Go back and watch the Raw Smackdowns of that era. All of the people of the Alliance, whenever they showed them for months after that, it was like what, what regular jobs they have. Like whether they were like waiters and shit or janitors or I'm telling you, man, go back and watch all of those people. They didn't just pop back. And, sl- and sure, slowly over storylines, they all had traditional returns. But for a long time, that was it. Stone Cold, who was the biggest heel of that entire storyline, if you recall, that following day, 24 hours later, he was back to being a babyface again with no explanation because it was Survivor Series was over. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, it was just like that was it. <laughs> You know, like everything is reset. Like I'm, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm just saying that they have done that before, and it's, and yeah. and they just they they've done it like if it just doesn't even matter. They don't care. You know. Oh god. So don't be surprised. I, think- I'm, I I would like for it to keep going, but don't be surprised if you go back tomorrow night and we come on here at eleven thirty and we're talking about the, we got the same old shitty raw. It was just regular raw guys and Bobby Lashley was fucking Lana, and Lucha House Party was was settle settle pusho. The sad part is that's exactly what I expect because this company. As of late, if something works and it involves actual effort, they won't do they it. Don't like doing it. Yeah, nah, that was too hard. Right, that works. That's why I feel like almost like the only thing that's really going to happen is NXT is probably going to have a fa- it's going to have a fantastic week because I mean they won Survivor Series, but Raw or SmackDown is going to be the same old shit. Oh man, that's what we're going to be on here talking about tomorrow night, man. It's going to be back to Lana and Lashley. Like I said, I'm going to say. Which, by the way, they made the new Botchamania, obviously. But I haven't even been watching, but I'll watch later on today. But yeah, that like they're they're going to be. I'm hoping we get the same momentum. They have to try to hang on to it because they do have competition with AEW. Yeah, right now, like I said, the one main thing we always see wrong with AEW is uh, the women's division. But everything else, they have been firing on all cylinders virtually. You can't just ride on the fact that there's only one thing you can beat them on. <laughs> yeah. So backstage, we got Roman. I never thought we would say that, huh? but let's see what the hell yeah. this is. Roman Reigns, a huge victory for you out there tonight. What does it mean to have been able to snag that victory for Team SmackDown? It means everything. I'm just so proud of my team. To be honest, I, I want to thank everybody except for Corbin. Uh, I mean, literally, we could have had anybody except him, and we would have been well on our way. He almost sabotaged the whole thing. Thank God I pulled the trigger and just knocked his jaw loose, speared him. Tommaso covered him. We got rid of him, and everything was good from there. But to my teammates, Ali, Shorty G, Braun Strowman, they went out there and they did their thing. They trusted in me to take it home. Um, So it's a complete team win outside of 
Captain Dumbass Corbin. So, uh, yeah, just a great night. It's awesome to go out there in Survivor Series. This is where the Shield debuted. Um, it just feels like such a powerful pay-per-view for us. Um, and for me to come out and win my second Survivor Series match of my career, um, it just feels great. It feels like I have the momentum on my side. And hopefully I can just keep it going, just keep this thing going, keep the enthusiasm high, uh, and just take this thing all the way to Mania. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks, sweetheart. Appreciate you. Yes, sir! God damn it, I thought he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I forgot he even does that. Yeah, he didn't do it like the first time, but I was like, fuck it. I was hoping for it. I was like, oh, wait, he's going to do it. Shit! But- and yeah, I think um, word out to uh, Raw or SmackDown, whatever fucking show he is, stop pushing fucking Braun Strowman. This motherfucker's lost two big matches in a row via countout. You can't sell me on him anymore. And I keep saying that they try to do the countout so that Braun looks strong and it just makes him look stupid. Like, dude, you know the rules of wrestling, right? Like, you got to be in the ring in time. When you're running around the side like that, you're not in the ring anymore. And there's a counter going. You should get back in the ring. At least play the game so that you can understand this countout concept. You know, right. because you were going to be a champion at one point. Imagine a champion who's always standing on the side with a stupid look on his face at the 10 count, because that's essentially what he's become. He's some guy yeah. who's big and he's strong and he runs around the ring and then you hit a bell called and he's like, oh, fuck. And he just goes like, away. Bro, you, you lost to not trending Muffin Top Tyson Fury by counting out and now you lost again by counting out, bro. And that's really? because Tyson Fury understood the rules. He understood <laughs> that you have to be back in the ring by 10. And look at how important that shit is. A guy who's not even a wrestler, all he needed was to understand to get back in before 10. And he was able to win over you at a pay-per-view because of how important of a fucking rule that is. Somebody talk to him, Patterson or Slaughter or whoever it takes, and explain (laughs) to him the fucking rules. Jesus Christ. Most disappointing. Even fucking Mayweather couldn't couldn't get Big Show counted out. He had to fucking pin him. You know, Braun needs a manager, not to have a mouthpiece, but to have somebody out there with fucking smelling salts so that when he gets knocked on the outside, like, quick, get your ass back in the ring, hurry. It's 10. This isn't New Japan. It's not 20. It's 10. <laughs> you know, get in the fucking ring. I couldn't believe it when it was happening. Like, in my mind, I saw it in slow motion just because of disbelief. Like, there's no way that this is, like, this is the way the Saudi Arabia thing ended. Like, there's no way that he's about to get fucking counted out again. And he did. Oh, shit. Like, how do you fuck these things up, Braun? I don't get it, Good lord. Yeah, right? Like he you do, you do you do not want this guy to be your partner in like a die hard movie or a lethal weapon or something with a countdown. You'd be fucked. You would be fucked. Can you imagine him? Can you imagine him in aliens? He would never have gotten new it out of there. Fucking fucking Stroma's new music needs to go, there goes my hero. <laughs> fucking new finish and move. Aim for the bushes. Like, I'm so oh my god. Like, get Jeez. in the ring by ten. Please. Even Kali, who couldn't walk for shit, knew getting the fucking ring by 10. But that's Jesus. how he dealt with him again. They just count his ass out. Oh my god, just... Like, how, how are you this dumb? Like, I, I don't get it. It's just no, 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 Spartan Jesus. He hasn't been taking math lessons with Scott Steiner, because Scott knew to get back in the ring at 9. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is a man who I theorize never makes it back in time to the microwave for his fucking Hot Pockets. He always gets he always gets lukewarm pop. He's a no, you know what he is. Pocket. You know what he is. He's a reheater. He's a fucking oh, reheater. Shit. I can see it. He's one of those people that doesn't come back in time and winds up having to push the shit to go again. Oh shit! Because <laughs> you just can't be in sync with the time when that fucking thing went off. So now look at that. You have a reheated hot pocket, probably more rubbery, because you don't understand the concept of a countdown. 
Where you fucking heated all the flavor out, so it just tastes like fucking cardboard and rubber. Yeah, like the match you were in. <laughs> See, Jesus, this is where you gotta hang out for the Monday show, man. It's even worse there because we don't give a fuck. It's ridiculous, you know. It's got on my nerves with that. I couldn't believe it when it happened. I almost expected there to be some sort of a dusty thing where it's like someone comes out and it's like, "No, he's not eliminated." That's ridiculous. But no, he was just that. That was it. He was gone. Biggest guy. If I if I wasn't looking at my notes, I forgot how he got eliminated. That's how bad it was. I, that's the only thing that I remember without notes. Because <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It's like, yeah, we're doing okay, nuts, man. You can't ever tell me this man's a threat. Whatsoever. This man does not even deserve to be 24-7 champion. He's so shit. Yeah, look at him like, reheating. <laughs> I don't mind. The reheater among men. Yeah, exactly. He's the plus thirty second guy, right? He's that dude. He doesn't know, he doesn't know like quite quite the proper time, but he doesn't want to burn it. Oh shit! So he's late all the damn time for it. Oh my god, I could I couldn't imagine Braun Strowman in a grill. Y'all, I think what we need to get we need to get Braun Strowman on Hell's Kitchen. That's what we need. We had the George Foreman grill. Now, when this, this generation needs a Braun Strowman grill, the Braun Strowman reheater. For when you don't make it back in time. <laughs> That's great, right? Ron Strowman reheater. For Wires, ten, I need you to get to work, sir. <laughs> for when 10 seconds just isn't enough. Oh, fucking smart Jesus said. That's how I'm going to insult people now and be like, yeah, I bet you're a fucking reheater. <laughs> he always used to lose in the Sonic the Hedgehog water levels before you know he hit one of those He couldn't deal counters. Oh, my God. He, he'd never make it back in the circle in PUBG in time. He always leave when the circle's already there. Oh, Braun. Make it back to the ring, dude. We're rooting for you. Probably shows up at the shows late and shit. That shit is like that. That shit is practically like Snake Row for him. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Every time you see him, he's running as fast as he can, and he's just not going to make it. <laughs> Braun Strowman on, on Snake Way. <laughs> Strowman couldn't get off Namek and die. It was five minutes left. That motherfucker took five and a half. Go train with the people of Yard Rat. Learn instant transmission, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, God, I'm weak. The whole lower half of my body went fucking numb. Oh, God. That's what's going to happen on Raw. Braun's going to show up with this strange outfit and be like, I was actually with the people of Yard Rat and they were teaching. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get to nine. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, imagine an injury angle for that shit. Fucking somebody breaks his finger and he's like, shit, he can't use intertransmission anymore. What's he gonna do? And he always looks at the ring after it happens, like he can't believe that he's out there and there and there. I'm like, I can't believe that you're out there and there and there. Okay, you have a gimmick where you just run around and run into people. It's gonna be a shock at this point. You're always out there. You know what they need when he's running around? He needs his manager, the same the, the same one that uh you know, it's going to be helping him with all of the other variety of things going on. So just keeping him in the ring to, to sort of have one of those traffic things. You know, when the, when like the light's not working, you got the little traffic guy with the hard hat direct there. Like that oh. when he runs around, keep him going in the fucking ring. He's a runaway train. We'll get him back on track. <laughs> switch to flip something. Flip the switch. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, right. Jesus Christ. Okay. Now on to a, a big man who knows how to get back in the ring. Oh, main event of the evening, the WWE Championship, Brock Lesnar versus, actually, no, co-main event. Yeah, I was going to say, you wish it was the main event of the evening. Come on, we got chicks here. You think that this is going to be a main event when they are women? 
You got a good point there. Uh, we have Brock Lesnar defending the WWE Championship against Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Finishing this match after throwing his son Dominic across the fucking ring. Again, Rey goes for a crossbody. I don't know why. Gets caught into an F5 and Brock retains. 60% of you went for Brock Lesnar and there's 40% of you went for Rey. You believe in miracles. <laughs> <laughs> The, my favorite part of this match, and I talked about it in the chat room, and it's going <laughs> to stay with me forever, is when Brock Lesnar stopped to tie his boots mid-ass whipping of Mysterio. <laughs> because like I said, Lesnar stopped to tie his boots so that he wouldn't lose it in Ray's ass. That was the best. You've never seen a wrestler. Most of the time, they'll try not to tie their boot on camera. He stopped mid-ass whipping with the camera on him, and he tied his boot because he was thinking to himself, you know what? I would hate to lose this in Ray's ass, and I'm mid-ass whipping, you know, and you know, I'm a professional. I, like, I saw it happening, and I hadn't made peace with it. Until you said to the chat room, I was like, that motherfucker tied his boot in the middle of a goddamn match. Because he didn't want to have to be Matt Riddle on you. Because he was oh, going to lose God. his boot in your ass. <laughs> That's some savage shit right there. He whooped your ass so bad he had time to relace his boots. And it really was a lot of Ray getting thrown and blown around. It was like pretty crazy. You know? And, uh, yeah, Dominic does show up. They do the whole Dominic thing, and then the two of them team up, and it makes it look worse. The fact that they have to stockpile on top of him for the pin after they're attacking with a pipe, and he kicks off from underneath both of them. Like, this guy, like, the two of them combined couldn't even hurt him. It just, It's just not a great look, you know? Settle, push all again. Oh, my God. I will say it wasn't the best-looking one I've ever seen by a long shot. I like the fact that Dominic did a frog splash, though. Yeah. It, it, mainly because... It looked like he switched what the move was going to be in the air. It looked like it was just going to be just a, a body uh, a, um, a body splash, and then he switched it to a frog splash. I figured when he was going up, it was going to be a frog splash because of Eddie. Yeah. You know, so I thought, oh, they're going to give him the Eddie And he did here. a pretty good 619, too. Yeah, yeah, the like, dual 619s. Yeah. But you see what I mean? It's like these two are like go 10 in trunks next to fucking Brock Lesnar here. You know, this was, this was, oh, this was movie 11 all over again. You know, they're fighting, they're was, fighting bio, the bio time. Brock, you know? This was the, this was the first time they fused and they left the tower too early. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It, it just didn't work, man. And, and I'm just, I don't know. It's what I expected to happen, you know? And of course, you know, Lesnar going over with that catch F5 because it's like this guy's coming out of the air. Where else would he be coming out of? And he catches him and nails him. It was like and, a 90 pound soaking wet with a brick in each pocket. What do you think was going to happen? Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, it went the way that I thought that it was going to go. I didn't think that this was, uh, I don't know. Like, what was the point of this? Once Cain Velasquez wasn't involved anymore, it just sort of became a match to have Rey Mysterio lose. Where do we go from here? What happens next with this? Any idea? I mean, is that it? You can't, you're, you're realistically, I, I guess what fucking Brock is going to fight Dominic next? I don't fucking know. You don't even <laughs> want to be part of that life. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You couldn't even pin him with your pops there. I mean, fucking, I see, I don't, I can understand this match happening for storyline reasons. Because, I mean, somebody fucked up to a kid that many times. you got to fight him. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, you couldn't have gone into this match expecting Ray to win. would have been different, you know. Yeah, it would have been surprising. There's no easy way to book Brock. It's either believable and he wins or unbelievable and he loses. And the sad part about it is, is I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but did you hear that Brock is in 100% control of his booking? I'll, I'll have to see more proof of that. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's the bad part. 
I literally heard if Brock loses, it's because Brock felt like losing. We'll have to see the validity of those claims because that's that's pretty strange. That's we'll see. Shit, we'll, like, we'll look at but then it. again, WWE's already given Saudi complete control, so it wouldn't surprise me if they do something stupid like that. But... Mm-hmm. Who knows? But then now to the main event, ladies, are you changing the game? All the women <laughs> are back here again. Yeah. <laughs> NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey, and Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Pretty much the situation we're in now is either SmackDown ties or NXT wins outright. Yeah, there was no because hope at this point of there being of there being any kind of a victory for anyone but NXT. The most they could do is not look like total dog shit. Yeah, which I mean, at that point, if I'm looking at it from a tiebreaker's perspective, NXT still wins because they hit three first. Yeah, but I mean. Luckily, they didn't do that because after going for uh, the Macho Man elbow, Shayna catches Bailey on the landing and chokes her out with the Kirafuda clutch. Mm-hmm. And I will have you know that fifty percent of you had Bailey winning, probably because you listened to the show last week. And I admit I partially influenced that because it made the most sense to me. Twenty percent of you for Becky, thirty percent of you for Shayna. Shayna being the winner. And then after the match. What the fuck did like Becky throw a hissy fit? Like what the fuck? Well, Becky decided to get her comeuppance, and she beat the hell out of Shayna over by what was that the German announce table? Yeah, she she's pretty much fucked her up on the table after Shayna already won the match, which was I didn't like it because like why cheat NXT out of their celebration? Yeah, the only reason I think I was kind of against that, hmm. and it just made Becky look like a sore loser. But, yeah, uh, yeah, but was... they they wanted her to get her heat back. I mean, as it is bad enough that everyone's losing, that's not on Wednesdays. Yeah, but then again, if ain't there's the weekly that's showing any proof, any proof, that was the only way it really could have gone. You couldn't have had NXT walking up in everybody's house, fucking them up, and then lose that Survivor Series. Well, from this point forward, we have to see where the momentum is going to take them. Yeah, you know, for sure. Tomorrow night is going to determine a lot about where we go and what happens. Which, speaking of, guys, don't forget that tomorrow night is our five-year anniversary. Not of having this chat room. That's, not, that's actually not even... Uh, that was a year and a half, maybe two years on here. Yeah, five years of the, three, maybe. Yeah, five years of the actual podcast. Because remember, we started with SoundCloud and iTunes before we had a screen. It was just audio, which a lot of you, most of you, uh, still just listen via iTunes. That's where our main audience is, is iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher, all of that. But if you're ever slightly curious about when what we have up on screen, the videos, the clips we play and stuff, come into the Mixer chat room, which you can get mixer.com slash talkbrunch or just talkbrunch.com and it's on the top of there. Um, but yeah, tomorrow night, Monday, after Raw, 11.30 p.m. Eastern was the anniversary episode. We're not going to really do too much special. I think we're just going to make sure that we thoroughly cover everything that's going on and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's be pretty much like past years, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They're good organically. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shayna, you know, getting back to the strength of Shayna taps out Bailey here and, uh, then Shayna winds up getting her ass kicked by Becky a little bit. Becky getting her heat back to then go into Monday. And uh, now this definitely plants the seeds for them to keep this thing going because it's not like Shayna's just gonna let it go. So like they have they have the ammunition there to do it for sure. Yeah, we'll see if they pull the trigger. You know, they might yeah. realize that this is something that has to keep going. You know, and I think for the time being, it should just always be this way until they can do something else. Yeah, pretty much. It, at least make it into what someone like somewhat of a cross brand feud, even if it's not everybody feuding 
cross brands, at least having this one being something would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. But I mean, definitely very physical match all around. Everybody got a good bit of shit in for sure. And overall, the pay-per-view. You like the pay-per-view, right? Oh, yeah. Survivor Series was great. But then again, Survivor Series is always good. This is one of those pay-per-views they rarely ever mess this one up. Yeah. Spartan says he heard rumors of people within the company one chain on the main roster. Yeah, we're going to get to all the rumors and the dirt sheets and all the various fun things tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, she's already on the main roster, so I don't know how that would work out, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. All right, so are we ready to wrap up here? Yeah, pretty much. All right, guys, Craziest what's... weekend in wrestling is over, but the fun really begins tomorrow night. Yes, five years, guys. We're up to five years of doing this, so don't forget tomorrow night, 11.30 p.m. after all, we will be here. That being said, thank you to everyone who hung out with us for this entire pay-per-view night all of you seth rollins 287 prince of fire 40 willie v2 joe woko eb gamer ac stasis dreams repo man 1212x mark 710 risa matt squire spartan jesus 92 mac the truth 317 fear chris 91 suiting leader fanny 09 shout out to you thanks for the host with your gamer zone channel uh the huge man flip 13 matt chaos non-stop Soneheart919877, Couch Potato, Alistair456, Trap Team12, Barefoot Glue986, Godzilla420000, Extreme Zack TV, Hellraiser1, The Gryffindor, Modded Tout57, Icebox4, Full Cheetah2087, and Classy Hickory56. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 352, your WWE Survivor Series 2019 post show, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin, we are out of here. And we will be back in the ring before 10. Shut it down.